0: Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
2: Here we go now. All right, the XFL begins tomorrow. You're gonna have to wait until Sunday to see the Sea Dragons, but you can start seeing XFL action beginning again tomorrow. ESPN's Tom Luganville joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Tom, how's it going?
0: It's going well. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys are doing good.
2: We are. We're very excited to talk to you. We were trying to go through some of the rules to make sure we understood everything. So uh, I guess, you know, (laughs) what I'll start with instead is just how you feel about uh, the resurgence of the league and and kind of your outlook for 2023 here.
0: Well, listen, this is my third go around. I was actually a coach in the first iteration in 2001, and I was a field analyst in twenty twenty on our ABC crew and then I'll be on our ESPN crew as as a booth analyst this time around. And, you know, I really felt for it when the pandemic struck and we got through week five and they had to cease operations because in my opinion, and this was just somebody that had experienced the first go around, all of the things that needed to be corrected got corrected uh, from a rules perspective, from a presentation on television, how it looked, um, how it was prepared And I I thought it would have been off and running. And we were having such a great time with it. All of the access, um, the the rules, and the rules that I think have been a huge benefit to the game and and are going to make this league unique that are going to carry over from 2020 to now. And um, really, from from my perspective, I think this thing's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. And it's a little different this time around because we've got seasoned coaches like – You know, the Jim Haslitz and the June Joneses and the Wade Phillips and Bob Stoops. And then we've got some other guys that have had longstanding successful careers like Hines Ward and and Rod Woodson and, and Terrell Buckley that maybe haven't been in the coaching profession very long. And so it's going to be very interesting, particularly the first two to three to four weeks, to see how things kind of iron themselves out.
3: Uh, When you look at um, the college football landscape, specifically the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 should be one of the more exciting leagues, Power Fives this year, just based off of quarterbacks alone, right? You got Michael Penix, you got Bo Nix, you got Caleb, um, you got DJ coming over from Clemson. Um, How is the star power at that quarterback position um, going to help this conference when it comes to the perception, how it's perceived across the country?
0: Well, it's going to have to be fantastic because it's going to have to compensate for what has really been the main criticism of the Pac-12, and that is a lack of outstanding defensive play, particularly up front um in your front seven. If you look at the college football playoff, you look at teams that throughout college football who have been in a semifinal, won a semifinal game, played for a championship, there's some common denominators there. Dominant up front on defense, dominant in the offensive line, Uh, obviously, in in premier quarterback play. The Pac-12 is going to have no shortage of quarterback play. And then you look at, you know, a a team like ASU, who looked like they were going to have nothing in the barn, all right, at quarterback, to suddenly now all of a sudden having Jaden Rashad out of the high school ranks, Drew Pine coming over from Notre Dame, who started a bunch of games, you're likely going to have a true freshman compete, if not win the starting job at UCLA in Dante Moore. And so – I think the league is strong from the quarterback perspective, but I've always kind of felt that way. You know, I I grew up in Southern Southern California. It was around the old Pac-8, the Pac-12, the WAC, the Mountain West, and there's never been a shortage of skill. There's never been a shortage of quarterback play. I think where the Pac-12 has to try to catch up is they have to make serious improvements on the defensive side of the football, particularly in the trenches.
2: What do you see as the relationship potentially being between the XFL and NFL when it comes to you know maybe guys who don't get drafted or guys who go on a practice squad and then they're out a couple months later? Do you see it as being like a true alternative?
0: Absolutely, and I also see it as being something that the NFL doesn't have to publicly acknowledge that they are endorsing or they are involved, but don't kid yourself. Um, when you have players that have made it to the final cut, all right, you've got guys that have made a practice squad or two, and they're still young. You Even some of the players that have been salary cap casualties, uh, you know, played three, four, five years in the league and got capped out, there needs to be a place for them to play. That place used to be NFL Europe, all right, and then it became the XFL the first time around. And then there really became no opportunity for the NFL to have – I don't like using the phrase farm league or a minor league system, uh, but a supplemental league where there's really good football with really good players that maybe just needed an opportunity. And so much of professional football is being in the right place at the right time. And things play themselves out. I mean, you look, you look at Kurt Warner with NFL Europe and the St. Louis Rams and the injury to Trent green. I know in 2001, we had Tommy Maddox who was the MVP of, of the XFL. He goes on to become the NFL comeback player of the year the next year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you play well, you create a sample size for the NFL to evaluate, and then you hope that opens more doors and more opportunities. So I think everybody benefits, including the NFL.
3: We went from having just the NFL after uh, NFL Europe was canceled out or whatnot, and then there was nothing. It was just the NFL. Now you got a couple spring leagues going on. Is there too much as – is there such thing as too much football me personally I will watch football in a parking lot with five-year-olds playing this is a fact. i'm I' I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm addicted to the sport is there such thing as too much football or, or do you like where I guess these um these supplemental leagues are headed
0: i I love where it's at and I, and I listen there are plenty of jobs out there there are plenty of you know there are a lot of football players out there that were first team all conference first or second team all-American and for whatever reason it didn't pan out at the national football league level and maybe it still can but if it doesn't, doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to make a living playing this game for as long as you can be good at it and put a product on the field that people will want to watch. I I think the other thing on top of that, and where the XFL I think did a good job in 2020 and doing a good job again in 2023 here is, you know, take the opening game that I've got this weekend. I've got Seattle on the road at Mm -hmm. at DC. You could make an argument that DC, you had Seattle, you had St. Louis and you had DC in 2020 who's, Home turnout, home crowd was really exciting. Fans were invested, and it was a great environment. And so I think what they've done is they've done a good job going into markets that have proven that fans will follow it. And then I think from a television perspective, whether it's the XFL, the USFL, whatever it may be, the rules and the access and pulling back the curtain and having those – open mics and in particular when it comes to officiating calls in the review calls and having those mics and those cameras in the review booth that provides something that you can't get in the NFL you can't get it in college football and I think fans crave it.
2: Is there any rule that uh that you've uh, learned uh either you know from the first iteration but if there are any updates in this one that you thought why don't they do this in the NFL
0: I think eventually the kickoff rule will get to that point because what they have done is they have come up with a way to limit injuries on what is the most violent play in all of football and still allow for a viable kick return in the sense that if the kicker kicks it out of the end zone or into the end zone, the ball is going to come out to the 35. So there's no incentive there. He's got to kick it and the ball can come down in the field of play from the 20 yard line to the goal line. So you're creating an opportunity for a special teams play. You're creating an opportunity for a return, yet you're limiting some of those distinct collisions that would come from a full-speed head start. And, you know, the the return team running the wedge and and having those helmet-to-helmet type of of collisions, that's not what they want. I think that is something that will really be looked at um, and and continue to be studied uh, by the National Football League. And, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple other wrinkles that I think are unique. I, I think that the choice, if you want uh, on an onside kick, to either kick an onside kick or run a scrimmage play on a 4th and 15 and, and kind of figure out where your percentages are greater and, and having the choice to do that, I think, is, is good. I also like the fact that regardless of the play, that every single coach will have one challenge regardless of what the call is. So there's no call that uh can't be challenged and i think that's going to be interesting to see how the nfl uh looks at that and then you know see where it goes but the one thing i looked at is i thought they did a really good job in 2020 and i think we'll do a good job with this is fast pace, not letting things get drawn out games averaging about two hours and 40 minutes um in most windows and then having the three opportunities for the extra point. I think everybody enjoyed that. You've got the one opportunity to go for one, another opportunity to back up and go for two, or another opportunity to back up and go for three, which makes the betting lines really interesting because your real numbers that you're technically looking at is three and seven and ten may change, may get skewed a little bit because of that extra point try.
3: Yeah, I love the rules and all the mix-up. I love watching it. Unfold. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, when I played in the CFL, I signed a contract that said, look, we got you mm-hmm. for two years, but if an NFL team wants you, you're allowed to go. Is there anything like that in the XFL? It's
0: a great question. It's probably a better question for Danny Garcia, the chairwoman, and, and Russ Brandon, our president of football operations CEO. I, I can't imagine that there's anything affiliated with this league that would not allow for an opportunity for a player to sign an NFL contract. I I don't think there's any interest in that on behalf of the XFL. Um, I know that wasn't the case in 2001 or 2020. I can't – you know, that's part of the purpose of the league, provide more opportunities, an opportunity to move up, move on, and to further your career at the highest level. I can't imagine that there'd be something that would be uh, hindering any of that opportunity.
2: So I promised listeners that in addition to talking to you about XFL, we'd fit in some college recruiting questions. And I also saw you, I also saw you tweet about the quarterback sneak. So I hope we have time for all of it um, because I have to ask you about that rule. In fact, can I start there? Can I start there, Tom? You said uh, that the, the quarterback sneak, Obviously, you're a fan. You said the quarterback sneak is revolutionizing the game of football. Unfortunately, the NFL saw that and they said, not today, not today. And now they're going to potentially change that rule and make it illegal to have the tush push. Tom, what do you think? Yeah.
0: Listen, I, I think that coaches are always going to live in that gray area. They're always going to find a loophole. They're always going to find a way to enhance their their opportunity to win matchups, right? And you know, fourth and short, a third and short, Uh, That's a matchup that with the push from behind, we've seen it in college football and now we're seeing it in the National Football League that creates an advantage for the offense. And um, I think the NFL is looking at it from a a perspective of the the defensive side doesn't have the ability to push back, if you will. And so um, fair or unfair, right or wrong, it it is an offensive-minded league. Um, If we've seen the evolution of the NFL turn into anything – it's to protect the offense and enhance the offense. I, I was, you know, I kind of tweeted that tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time have such an appreciation for it because, you know, I was in coaching for almost a decade, and, and, and I've heard coaches talk all the time about, uh, you know, why don't we see the quarterback sneak or fans will say, why don't you know, look at, look at the A-gap on both sides of the center, mm-hmm. it's wide open, you're telling me you can't fall for six inches. And then what the Eagles started to do is get into a goal line package, and literally show the whole world what was coming. Everybody in the stadium knows it, including the hot dog vendor, and it still worked, right? And so I appreciated it. I thought it was fantastic. I actually hope the NFL doesn't change it because um, what does it do? It extends drives. It allows for more offense. That's what fans want to see. So I think everybody benefits from that perspective.
3: Yeah, I'm with you 100%. You got six inches to go. Get big. Get big in the trenches. Get your personnel out there. Do something about it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you.
0: Listen the age of spread offense let's go a little throwback right let's yes. let's put an extra two offensive linemen out there motion one behind the quarterback and if you got to shove that guy for another six inches by all means let's see it let's see guys get down and dirty
3: I'm 100% with you, and this is coming from a receiver who would not be on the field when that went down, so maybe that's why <laughs> I'm all right with that's it. That's right.
0: You're right. You wouldn't be. <laughs>
3: hey, I want to ask you about just Pac-12 recruiting. You know, I was in the Pac-12. I want to call it one of the golden ages, right, And in, in the early to mid-2000s where you got three or four teams that are ranked, Deshaun Jackson, Reggie yeah. Bush, all those guys, and it was because you were getting recruits to stay home, to stay out west, and you were grabbing some guys, from across the country, with USC and UCLA leaving and with the, the, the TV deal not going down, do these programs have to rely on just getting high-profile coaches like Deion Sanders to keep these guys here? Because a lot of guys are leaving and going to the Midwest yeah. when it comes to, to talent.
0: Yeah, and you know what? And they're going to the Southeast, too. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. is You can't have the C.J. Stroud go to Ohio State. You can't have the D.J. go to Clemson. You can't have a Bryce Young to Alabama you can't have a two go to Alabama I could go on and on and on you know in the old days and you'll remember this being a Pac-10 guy Pac-12 guy is in recruiting out west if SC wanted a big time player they were getting him Mm -hmm. he wasn't going anywhere else and it was everybody else's job in that conference to figure out a way to come up with a replacement for that player now in the last decade or so you know they've lost a lot of their luster and i think lincoln riley and the staff and name image and likeness and the transfer portal is is helping them reestablish. but you know in the old days a a cave on thibodeau would not have left california to go to oregon but he did right and so uh, the way i look at it and, and i and i unfortunately this is the reality of the situation and i don't know if there is one fix or another but Look at the look at these kids in their age and growing up being young football players, age seven, eight, nine. Let's just say they get to age seventeen. So now you're looking at ten years of their upbringing. Who have they identified with as being the premier teams in college football? It's been Alabama, Clemson, all right, uh, Florida State. Uh, At that time, it was Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. But in the old days, guess who would have been? It would have been FC, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't been. And so they identify with what they perceive to be the best in the land. And if they happen to grow up to be that premier guy, they've looked at Alabama differently than they've looked at FC. And I think that's very difficult to overcome until you can prove as a Pac-12 team that you are going to be a year in and year out possible participant or an actual participant competing at the end of the season for for a college football playoff. Now, of course, the expansion of the college football playoff is a lot of people will say, well, it's only going to enhance the SEC or it's only going to enhance the Big Ten. But I'm not so sure of that. I think it will still enhance the Pac-12. But the Pac-12 has got to keep their best players at home. They can't allow those players to go to other programs. And the only way to prevent that is to be a college football playoff caliber team and sustain that like those other teams have. So you give your local kids a reason to stay home.
3: Or you get in that portal and you give a bunch of NIL money. (laughs) That's what it's pretty much come down to. You're right.
0: And and listen, I'll say this about SC. As good a job as Lincoln Riley did in year one, and as many transfer portal guys that they brought in, guess where they didn't bring them in? On defense. Mm -hmm. And they were horrible. Caleb Williams, I had them twice last year. Caleb Williams is so freaking good (laughs) that he can mask – so many deficiencies you take him off of that football team they're seven and five six and six but he's so good so now if you're if you're Lincoln Riley high school recruiting the transfer portal that focus now has to shift to the defensive side of the football and I think that goes that goes for everybody in the Pac-12.
3: Tom we're holding you a little bit I got one more to such a great conversation man um what, what do you think it is about the defenses in the Pac-12 is it is it the, the coaching? I mean, I know that when you think of West Coast college football, um, the highlight has been the offense, but you're right. There's been great defenses that come through here. Is, is it the defensive coordinators? Like how, do you, how does the West become attractive when it comes to these big old hogs in the trenches?
0: Unfortunately, they're going to have to become a national recruiter. Uh, and, and I say this having witnessed it. When I go to camps and combines across the country, we go to Orlando, we go to Miami, we go to Atlanta, we go to, Atlanta, we go to Dallas, uh, may go to Baton Rouge, go to some of these places in the, in the Southeast, some places in Texas, and then we head out west, might go to Phoenix, go to L.A., go to up, up Northern California. And the difference that you see in the caliber of player and the body types mm-hmm. from those other regions versus California is pretty stark, right? And you're just not having the sheer numbers and at the same time the sheer talent to choose from That Let's just say a Georgia or an Alabama or a Clemson where all of these guys are right in their backyard that they have to choose from. So, you know, I look at, uh, if you remember Leonard Williams at USC, you know, Leonard Williams was from Florida. And if you really think about the last, like, truly dominant defensive lineman FC has had, it's him. And that was a while ago. And so I think that Oregon's done a good job of this. Oregon did a, a good job with Kayvon. They did a good job with uh, Mateo Leungle. Um That was important. Um, they're going to have to continue to cast a wide net, and that means getting into the Southeast and competing with some of those SEC and ACC and Big 12 schools and even some of the Big 10 schools to get those guys to leave that footprint and go out west.
2: See, Tom, here's the mistake I made. I let you and someone else who's very passionate about college football and recruiting <laughs> and sports just go off. I feel like you guys could talk for hours about this, but I have to cut both of you off <laughs> so that you can go and so me and Bum can reflect on some of what you had to say. But we've, we appreciate you Stanley, and we, we've loved this conversation. We learned so much about the XFL, love talking about some recruiting stuff too. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks, Tom.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. Have a great rest of your day and a good weekend. You too.
2: All right, you can hear ESPN's Tom Bill on the call for the Seattle Sea Dragons against the Df- D.C. Defenders on Sunday. That game is at 5 p.m. I love this conversation. I mean, I was ribbing you guys, giving you guys a hard time, but we covered so much with Tom. Although, Curtis, interesting and important for us to point out that Bump said that, you know, he's a Pac-12 you know, guy. Uh, Hi. Uh,
1: So are we. So are we, Bump. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Notice uh, how Bump... We were in the Pac-12 as well. We were also Pac-12. No, no, no. I was in the Pac-10.
2: I was, in the, I Pac was 10. in the Pac-10 as well. Yeah, okay. uh, not for the whole time. It
3: shifted to the Pac-12. Yeah, when I was.
2: But we also in school, we yeah. also experienced the Pac-10. <laughs> you, okay? you did. It's not just you, you and Tom. No,
3: yeah. I, I apologize for not just including you guys. Ball with Tom. You know. There's
2: so much XFL <laughs> stuff, and I'm gonna remind you guys of that timing in like two minutes when I get to what's on tap. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of what he had to say about recruiting, though? Yeah. With the Pac-12, mm-hmm. I am on the one hand fascinated by everything he said and thinking like, okay, well, you have a chance to influence. A generation of students. If you can get the pack now, ten, I guess, going right. It's about what they grow up watching. In the meantime, you got to dig yourself out of a hole. And it is interesting to think about how the times have changed for so many students. But you think, like, well, if it did that, it can do it again, right? Here's the change it back, right?
3: Here's the mess mess up part about where the pack is right now. The kids who you want to recruit, who are sophomores and juniors Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now, you know what they're seeing. USC and UCLA leave. I know. So now they're looking at that and saying, okay, well, the pack isn't that great. You got two of the storied institutions leaving this thing. Why would I pay attention to it? So that's where... Us as a conference, we got to come together and root for UW to have good seasons. Yeah. To root for Oregon to have good seasons. Because then that brings the attention back over here. You need to root for Oregon State and DJ, the the transfer from Clemson, to have a good season. You need that. Because he's right. We don't have the bodies that the South has; They're just bigger. I got cousins in Mississippi. My When I was 12, they were 18. They just look <laughs> different. They're bigger. They're made different down there. Um, so he makes a lot of good points. You, we need some program to get into the playoffs consistently they're expanding it is it this year they're expanding it or next year 2024 not this i think 24 is the earliest so we need an institution to get into the playoffs consistently to get eyes back over here um it's not looking good all
2: right well i love talking about it we'll we'll figure it out as we move forward here let's see we'll figure it out let's (laughs) see all of us pack 10 pack 12 folks right 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 Right. let's see what's (laughs) on tap
0: this is What's On Tap with Bumpin' and Stacey. brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks, what's on tap? The
2: XFL, of course, opens its season tomorrow. Now, all you Seattle Sea Dragons fans, I know you're waiting to see Josh Gordon there taking off for the Sea Dragons. you got to wait until Sunday, though, when technically Sunday night. Seattle Sea Dragons taking on the DC Defenders at 5 p.m. That game is on ESPN, and that's See. what's on tap. Curtis, I'm talking.
3: Dragons!
2: <laughs> Seattle! <laughs> Dragons! That's what's on tap, brought to you by Dick's Driving. We are heading to the ice to talk with Yanni Gord. That's next.
0: Bumpin' Stacy.
1: Powered through
2: the Alaska Airlines
1: Studios.
0: On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Out in front, what a-
2: A very cool story going from undrafted, obviously won back-to-back Stanley Cups with the Lightning in 2020 and 2021, but he is here in Seattle with the Seattle Kraken. Can't wait to talk to him. He'll call in uh, in just one moment before we get to Yanni. i got to remind you guys that we've got what I need to know. Wrapping up our entire week, coming up here at 45 after, so get your questions in now to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. Again, text any question you have sports non-sports whatever it is 866-979-3776 you know we're gonna get uh yanni on in just one moment here bump it was really nice to see that resurgence of uh of offense yesterday for the Kraken against the flyers
3: yes it was you needed that scoring depth to show up and that's exactly what happened there bounce back, man. Let's go, cracking.
2: That's exactly what they needed, and uh, by the way, one of those players joining us right now, Yanni Gord on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Yanni, how's it going?
4: Hey, how are you? Very good. Yourself? Uh,
2: we're great. Thank you. Um, there's a couple things I gotta ask you, but Yanni, before I get to any of it, I gotta play you some sound from your head coach. Uh, this is what he had to say. We're
1: a good team. Hey, guys. You guys give a shit meters. <laughs> high they, they play hard for one
2: another now yanni without swearing on air of course we got fcc regulations and such where would you rank your own give a stuff meter right now also very high
4: uh yeah pretty high i'd say
3: <laughs> yanni man uh this team coming off a good win against the flyers man when you're able to score early like that uh what does it do to the bench what does it do to the guys on the ice man how's that feel
4: Yeah, I thought great. Um, Big first goal uh, by uh, McCann. It was uh, short handed too. So I mean, uh, when early in the game, it's always huge. uh, Scoring a shorty was uh, was big, Uh, and I thought our penalty kill did a great job. So all, all around, it was a great start of the game.
2: Um, You guys have been, uh, I I don't want to say like so much better offensively. I mean, you were an expansion team and you needed to find your footing and kind of, you know, build a lot of that chemistry. And you have seen already this year such a huge step forward. Um, And honestly, you guys are looking like a playoff team. We've had lots of hockey experts on our airwaves who have said, hey, I think the Kraken are going to be in the playoffs. Really excited to see what they can do this year. Uh, What does it feel like in the locker room? I mean, do you feel that improvement, that excitement? Does it feel like you're closer as a team?
4: yeah absolutely uh we uh, we feel good about our game we feel uh we definitely feel like we're a playoff team um there's uh, tons of uh room for improvement all the time though uh but that's part of the game it's uh it, it's if you're not getting better someone else is. uh so you always have to be ready and be uh be excited for for what's next and and how you can grow your game. Uh, but uh, we know we have a lot of talent. We have so much depth on our team. Uh, it's been very exciting this year. And, uh, yeah, we uh, we do feel like we're a playoff team.
3: Yanni, you've had a, a, a good career and an interesting career as well. man. You come in undrafted, um, and then you play for Tampa Bay and, and, and win a couple Stanley Cups, and now you're with an expansion team and you get to start from the bottom and help this team grow. When you look at – the cracking as personnel organization wise do you see uh, some some championship pedigree flown around over there
4: yeah um definitely there's a there's actually a lot of uh, players on the team that have uh, rings uh so uh, it's it's been exciting for that um you, you can tell when these guys uh uh talk in the locker room um they they know what they're talking about and and uh yeah it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, been exciting my career's been kinda uh yeah. like uh, weird. Started very, uh, started and played a long time in the AHL, but uh, I worked my way to the NHL. And I was fortunate enough to to win two Stanley Cup and and to bring this experience to this locker room and this group. And and uh, started like you said, started from uh, from uh, expansion draft to uh, potentially. Uh, the, being a playoff this year, uh, it's very exciting, and and I take a lot of pride in in, uh, in helping our team, like trying to grow that game to uh, to where uh, uh, a, a good to be a good playoff team.
2: Is there a way you think that background has helped you or made you better? Like going from undrafted, kind of you know like wading through the waters a bit, then being on a Stanley Cup team, now being with an expansion team. I mean, you're right; it is a it's a crazy road. Do you do you feel anything within yourself where it's like I'm better? At this, because of that,
4: absolutely, um, I wouldn't change any uh, any way, any like the way my career has grown. Um, I would uh, that that's it. Just it is who I am, and um, I am the person I am today, and the player I am today because of all the the small experience I've had or uh, throughout my career uh, playing in the East Coast, the AHL. Um going to the Calder Cup uh, final in the AHL that one year and then, and, and then making, uh, two, three great, uh, uh, Stanley Cup push, uh, two of them were Stanley Cup wins. So, uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't change a, a thing of how my career grows.
3: Uh, Yanni, you have um, a daughter. I have kids as well. And, uh, they learn new words sometimes. They just use them over and over and over again. That's how I am with hockey, man. I've gotten to hockey like the last season and a half. You know what I'm saying? And I love the slang that you guys have. So whenever I talk to a hockey guy, I try to implement some hockey words. So I sound like I know what know. I'm talking yeah, about. Totally. So my question for you is, Yanni, uh, when it comes to the lip lettuce, man, is wifey like that or is she, you know, is she more of a clean
4: cut? Uh, she likes a clean cut. Uh, I would say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> mine is a mine is a lip lettuce. If I'm clean, she's like, "Who are
4: you?" I don't understand.
2: Yanni, would you have uh, a mustache if you were not married?
4: Um, I yeah, probably. I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> I I don't mind. Uh, it's it's I, I let it grow sometime because I'm lazy, and then I I, uh, I, I kind of like the look. And then, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, uh, and, but at certain point, it, it looks better shaped. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> we talked about the lipless. Now, who has the best flow on the team? Who's whose hair is out there looking looking the I, best on the ice? I
4: think it's I think it's McCann right now. It's he's got very lo- long hair, and uh, it looks pretty uh, pretty amazing on his bucket. <laughs>
2: Do you, do you don't have more words.
3: <laughs> um, you know. Uh, yeah. Who. Um, who's got the best clapper on the team? Your boy clapper. Schultz just. uh what Just had means. one a little slap shot. Oh, a little okay. clapper. Who's got the best clapper on the team? Well,
4: uh, um, I. I think I got to go with McCann again. He's got the hard. I think he's got the hardest shot on the team. Uh, so definitely, uh, I would go with him again. When's
3: the last time you seen a real good dangle out there, man? Who got them hands, <laughs> oh man?
4: I would say Matty Beniers. uh Maddie uh, Maddie B uh, he's been great for us uh, the whole year and I think he he's definitely uh, up there in the in the Bengals section yeah.
3: Last, last one I got. Oh my God, last Yanni! What I got. I'm actually
2: surprised that these are real things. <laughs> They're real
3: things, man. I, know, I do, I I'm do my learning. research. Yanni. Yanni's
2: not even second guess. Yanni's like, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking. I, of about. Of
3: course, because that's what us hockey yeah. guys do. Okay, Stacey. my bad, we my talk. bad.
2: I'll let you hockey guys keep going. I want
3: you give somebody uh, a little, little bit of stuff now. Who's the, who's the wagon out there, Yanni? Who's the wagon?
4: Um, I'd say, uh, that's that's who's hitting the most, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say big rig. <laughs> Pretty easy.
2: Oh God, that was awesome.
3: Just talking
4: hockey. Yeah, my That's bad. My bad. Doing. You guys
2: are just talking hockey. I, I understand. I understand. Yanni, we really appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been fun. I'm glad we got in some hockey vocab for uh, you know, for <laughs> listeners unlike you and Bump who just don't know. We do it all they the just, time, they Yanni. just don't. They don't, know. They don't understand. They Yanni. Don't, yeah, I, we don't get <laughs> it. My bad. My bad. Uh, Yanni, we will let you go, but um, but we really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Yanni. Uh,
4: absolutely thank you guys thanks for having me
2: bye wow that was i feel like i was a little bit curtis did you feel left out
3: a little bit i yeah. felt like a little I've, left out i feel like i'm ready for nhl tonight
2: <laughs> but um also can we just say real quick that when bump i'm gonna pit you on blast when bump said who's the wagon and yanni said is that who hits the most bump said yeah and then looked around like is it
3: <laughs> you got me second guessing got me yeah second guessing. i don't know wow <laughs> It's whatever you think it is, Johnny. <laughs> You're the hockey player here. Yeah, no,
2: well, I don't, Johnny. What do you tell me? <laughs> I'm not the one who knows. Uh, all right, get your question. I was reading, by the way, his Wikipedia page. I had it up for just, like, some extra facts if we got to it. Did you know that his name, because I was wondering, like, where's Yanni from? What is it? And it's a Greek composer, but it's just his parents were watching a movie, and the name of the composer was in the credits, and they were like, let's name him Matt.
3: I like that. I know. I kind of like it. That's a cool name.
2: I know. All right. Uh, Get your questions in for what I need to know right now. Text them to the Mackie Jacks text line. Any question you have, 866-979-3776. That's next.
0: Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. It's
2: What I Need to Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, and Electric. We need your questions, any questions, sports, non sports. You'll hear a couple examples from me in one second, but I could use a few more questions. 866 979 3776. I love this question. What I need to know. You've been kidnapped, but your captors let you remain on social media to not arouse suspicion. What could you tweet that would be so off-brand it would secretly alert your followers that something is wrong?
3: That something is wrong. Ooh. I would say... Bumps would be like, go dog." No, Bumps would be... I just would
2: like to say that I love the Huskies.
3: No.
1: Or something like... Man, there's too much football on my TV.
3: Yeah. Honestly,
2: Kobe's overrated.
3: <laughs> or just that LeBron's the greatest basketball player of all time.
2: I don't think that would be enough. I think people would think Lebron. Or
3: Tiger Woods. I, I'll never watch Tiger Woods play again.
2: Oh, you know what? You know what it would be? It would be, I, I don't, I don't know that I've shot a seventy-seven.
3: There, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Yep. It would
2: be. I can't remember if I ever did that. Mm-hmm. That would be Curtis. What would yours be?
1: Probably something like Forks Up.
2: Yeah, something like Sun a Sun Devils. Devils thing. Yeah. yeah, mine would... Or, uh, uh,
1: like, man, Greg Olson is the best tight end I've ever seen in my life.
2: Oh, man. I don't know what mine would be.
1: Yours would be, I'm not a double major. Yeah, I would just like to stress
2: <laughs> once again that I hate bragging about myself. Uh, what I need to know, Bump, what's your most favorite golf club to hit? I love sticking it close to the pin with the pitching wedge
3: my favorite club would probably be my nine iron um i like to be if i can on especially on a par five i like to be around 160 165 i think that's my my little sweet spot i can drop that nine boop, right there
2: what i need to know what's the funniest sports expression or play to you for example butt fumble or maybe a play name Butt fumble is objectively funny. Like, there is a thing that happened that we all know what you're talking about. And not only that, it is tied to Mark Sanchez's incredible legacy, despite everything he accomplished, including at the collegiate level. And he's just known for the butt fumble. Like, think about that. Mm-hmm. I think butt fumble. Um, now, not funny, but I love Philly special as a play name.
3: Philly special. Classic. Corn dog.
2: Corn dog is a great one. Andy Reid uh, just yeah, blesses with that one. one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, what I need to know, what do you see as being a successful season for Jared Kelmick?
3: <sighs> Not being sent down to the minors. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, he's got one more.
1: <laughs> one more option. So after that, which would be next year, once you option him this year, you can send him back and forth between Tacoma and mm-hmm. Seattle as mm-hmm. much as you want. Successful year for Jared Kelmick. I honestly, batting
2: above 200. Yeah.
1: I'm not kidding. And he's your. Was he at 180 last year? I think his career is
2: like 144. No, he was at like
1: 140 last year. He was 180 his rookie season. Uh, Yeah. Just get above 200 and be the best option in left field for the Mariners.
2: I just had a slash line down for like an article I wrote. It was not a great one. It's uh, definitely below 200. And just absolutely nothing. So, yeah, hitting above 200. He slashed 141, 221, 313 with seven home runs. Not Better good. than that. Better yeah. than that would be a successful season.
1: 907 uh, says Stacy would have a food take that is actually good. Okay,
2: I That's... do have good food takes, first of all. <laughs> I'm just not afraid with food takes that are controversial. That's the difference. I'm not afraid to put my neck out there. Like, I, I have food takes that are, okay, pizza's wonderful. I love pizza. That's not cool. That's not exciting. That doesn't get the the blood pumping. A
1: couple others say Stacey's would be, who needs throw pillows? Uh, Stacey <laughs> would say that she hates wine at a baseball
2: game. Okay.
3: Stacey uh, drink, would be like, I'm, a <laughs> a I'm throwing away all my oversized sweaters.
2: <laughs> 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 I hate oversized things. I can't wait to buy my own size and clothes. What I need to know, what's the best free thing you've ever gotten from your job? you can get different jobs if you want like if you have a couple different ones i
3: got um i got season season pass to every seahawk game every year I got season passes in the press box i see right, all in the games the press games. box i see yeah, all the games yeah but you know <laughs> yeah. what
2: no can, yeah. can i echo that and can i say that anytime i hear anyone complaining about whatever it's like okay listen you are getting paid to sit and Cover watch a game. this game. Yeah. Not only that, but the game is catered. You get food, right? coffee. There's a it's free Starbucks in thing in there. You get free coffee. It's in a temperature controlled environment. It's in a temperature controlled environment where you get free coffee, free food, and free snacks, including halftime have free, snacks. It's uh, a
1: soft serve machine. That's
2: what I'm saying. I'm like, why complain about it? You have such an amazing privilege. I had never been to a Seahawks game in person until I was a reporter.
4: It's just so expensive yeah. to go. I've
3: only been to games that I played in, and then as I'm, yeah. I'm covering. Say Me, too.
2: What about pickles on <laughs> pizza? <laughs> but I'm the one. Uh... <laughs> Let's see uh, what I need to know. It's my 39th birthday coming up this weekend. Happy birthday.
1: 80s, baby. 80s,
2: baby. To celebrate, I'm headed to (laughs) Teatro Zanzini for dinner and a show, The Roots, on Monday and the Dragons game on Thursday. That's a good week. How do you like to celebrate your birthdays?
3: Ooh, birthday weekend. (laughs) I work on a Friday. I leave after work. I travel somewhere warm. I play golf on Saturday. Sing karaoke Saturday night. Don't drink too much. Wake up Sunday. Play another round of golf. Relax. Hit the next flight in the morning in the a.m. Boom. Wow. See ya.
2: That's, uh, that was detailed. That was very detailed. That's you it. thought about this a lot.
3: I mean, it's that's and my perfect could, weekend. you could
2: uh, theoretically, because your birthday's in December, have like a coog situation going on.
3: What do you mean? Like a Coug game? The way, oh, no, I just don't like the way the you, say like, you say it. Every time you say
2: what it just, I, I feel get like offended. you're making it seem like when I say I Coug, offended. it's derogatory. I, it,
3: it feels that way. When
2: I say go Cougs? Yeah. I don't mean it that way. I'm just it saying it because I'm just, I just don't like being left out.
3: Yeah.
2: I get FOMO when people start. Because the thing is, Huskies fans, in my experience, don't do this thing of like, a Koog fan could be on a jury where another Koog was getting tried for murder. <laughs> and upon passing go the Cougs. jury box, they'd be like, go Cougs. <laughs> like, <it> just <laughs> Cougs will say go Cougs to each other in the most insane moments. Yeah. And I'm envious of that. Where are you? That's all. Yeah, I mm, am. Okay. Uh, what I need to know, if Curtis's life depended on it, all right. would you trust your uh, who? I'm guessing they're saying. Who would you trust your Pat? Punt, pass, or kicking skills. No, would you? Trust- oh, would you? Oh, so okay. So you have to punt. Which one? You have would to complete me- a pass, or you have to yeah. kick a field goal.
1: I would trust my passing skills over my punting or kicking. Yeah,
3: for sure. For sure. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I could f- probably throw it further than
3: I could kick it. Throw so will clear across those mountains. Oh, yeah, I, quarter mile, baby.
2: <laughs> I think that kicking is one of low-key the hardest things. So one of my favorite things to see at training camp when they have the big guys out there trying to either field punts or kick field goals, mm-hmm. no one can do it. Nah. Absolutely no one. It's a skill. I know. Uh, all right, you guys. That'll do it for us. Not just today, but for this week. We'll be back with you on Tuesday uh, at 10 a.m. No President's Day show for you, but we are going to have a really cool, like, best of playing. So make sure you still tune in, and then we'll be back with you to recap the weekend of uh, sports. For Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Rost. Do not go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.